that good, Freddie? Check, check, check. Okay. I'm on. Welcome, church. Um, if you're here today, I have to warn you that I am not the normal speaker. So, uh, Reese is off in Milwaukee, uh, preaching to one of our sister churches there. And uh, I made a bet with him that the Lakers would make the playoffs. So now I'm here. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I did not make that play. I did not make that bet. I'm not a Laker fan. I'm a hater. But, um, Yes, it's all about Clipper Nation. It's all about Clipper Nation. It's all about Clipper Nation. But uh, he actually asked me to uh, speak on his behalf. Uh, we've started a series on serving the poor and why that's an integral part of the ministry of Jesus. And so uh, I'm filling in for him. If I do a bad job, just don't tell him, please. Please, just tell him, if he asked, tell him I was awesome. Um, Reese has a habit of having these really long series, so I figured you probably don't remember when we started, because I don't even remember, to be honest. <laughs> so I figured we, it, would be, it would be good to start with a recap of what we've talked about so far. If you're new and uh, joining us just for the first time, this will kind of give you some uh, background. Um, we started off, uh, we looked at the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, and we talked about where Jesus uh, showed us the pitfalls of Spending our time on earth focused on materialism and possessions, the accumulation of wealth, but at the same time ignoring the obvious needs of the poor and needy right in front of us. He also pointed out that when we ignore the needs of the poor and needy, we literally are putting our salvation in jeopardy as Christians. Next, we looked at the benefits of serving the poor and how it can help us maintain our own heart, keeping it soft, full of compassion, cleaning our hearts, and infusing the humanity back into Christianity, allowing us to imitate God. So now that leads us to today. And, uh, you know, I know Reese is really good with titles. I was inspired by Amir's lesson last week. I said, man, that, that man has some catchphrases, so let me... Uh, it was amazing service. So I tried to come up with something that'll help you remember today. Uh, today's lesson is entitled Mission Possible. I know it's kind of cool, right? I mean, it's like, I try to give a, give a little thought behind it. But um, today, um, I'm going to take you um, hopefully to a, a place where you can reflect on how you can better serve the poor and needy. And this is something that was not. It was kind of planned, but also kind of uh, something that happened to me. I would, I would like to start out reading Matthew chapter 15. Um, and we're going to pick it up in verse 29. Matthew chapter 15. Let me take a quick drink. Now, if, you knew, if you've been here before, you know, Reese... Uh, he took all the parables from me. He said, you can't speak on the parables. So I'm like, great, Reese. Not leaving me much to do here. But I found a little something that hopefully uh, will inspire you and, and convict you as much as it convicted me. So Matthew chapter 15 and verse 29, it reads, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have had nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may collapse along the way. The disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place? To feed such a crowd. How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied. And a few small fish. He took the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples. And they, turned, they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciple picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, 
he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. Now, I'm going to come back to this scripture. This is going to be our, our main passage for today's lesson. Uh, but I want to give you kind of a, a, kind of a side story and, and why this scripture is important to me. Um, I have, uh, I didn't really tell you about myself, but uh, I am an educator. I work for LAUSD. I'm a dean and athletic director at a high school. So I deal with kids all day. So I want to thank the, the teens in the front. You, you remind me of work already. Um, which is not a good thing sometimes. Uh, I have an amazing wife, Saida, who uh, really helps me uh, serve in the many ways that I do serve because we have to have someone watch our amazing children who are five and seven, about to turn eight, Phoenix and Xavier. Uh, you'll probably see them running around later in the service afterwards. And so um, one of the things I, 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 I take very personally is I want my children to understand the realities of life. Number one, that money does not just grow on trees. You know, when you want something, you request something, it has to come from somewhere. You know, these toys that you have, these things you play with, the movies we watch, it all comes from somewhere. Either mommy or daddy has to work for that, right? But also what I want them to understand is that as a, we have a responsibility as people who have been blessed to give to others. If my children can understand that, and maybe reading and writing, I'll be a happy parent. <laughs> you know, that's really one of the goals I want to have especially as a Christian. So, um, you know, we have these little family uh, learning opportunities, as I'll say. And what I try to do is I try to impress upon them the importance of, you know, really different aspects of Christianity. And, you know, sometimes this might be in the form of a Bible lesson. Sometimes it'll be in the form of a movie, TV show. Uh, but I like to switch it up. I'm an educator, so I understand the value of doing different things to, you know, basically help different learning styles and, uh, and, uh, and uh, basically reach children the way they need to be uh, that's going to be the best for them in terms of accessing the, the idea, the concept. So we did a, what I call a service learning opportunity. And uh, Derek, do you have my slide ready? Are we good? So we're, I want to show you a picture. Uh, actually, as, uh, as one of our family times, I decided to take my family on a trip to Ethiopia and the Dominican Republic. So I have some pictures here. If you, uh, Derek, you want to show me? We're up to, oh, we're up, see, I can't see it here. So I'm like, Derek, would you? Okay, so Derek's showing you some video, uh, a little slideshow I came up with. Wonderful. So we took pictures of different living areas and uh, school area. That's pretty, uh, pretty self-explanatory. the last one? Okay. All right. Now, let me give you a disclaimer. Okay, I couldn't really afford to go to Ethiopia. Okay, guys? I'm not really. <laughs> there's no way I could afford to take my kids to Ethiopia and to the Dominican Republic. But luckily, there is an organization that brings Ethiopia and the Dominican Republic to you. And so, um, I found out about this organization uh, through Facebook, of all places. And uh, it's a charity that basically... Uh, it's very similar to the, what the organization we work with, Hope Worldwide, where they help children all over the world who are less fortunate to, than us as Americans. So my idea was, man, I could take my kids here, and they will see how, you know, because we don't, I think one of the, one of the problems with uh, living in America is we don't really understand how blessed we are from, from a poverty perspective. And it's really hard to explain that to a kid, right? I could tell them, oh, you're so lucky. They're like, whatever. They don't listen. So um, I went through this exhibit, and what they do is they give you an opportunity to, to walk through and take a snapshot of the life of someone living in the third world. And I was really grateful because, you know, to be honest, I, I thought, you know, we would go through this process. My children would be more grateful for what they have, maybe stop complaining a little bit, maybe a little, be a little bit more cheerful. But then it, it really allowed so much more. And... Uh, I was grateful because there's poverty that affects the majority of the world that we will never really know. Like, even if we go on vacation, even if we go visit these places, you'll never really know. And um, 
I want to just share some, some quick things about this experience, and, and then we'll go back to Matthew 15. Um, the experience is, is uh, called the Compassion Experience. And so uh, it travels around L.A. You can probably look online, and they basically pick different areas of L.A. You register, you take, you know, it's free. So you go there, and you get to look at the lives of two individuals. So um, we had two students or two young children, and basically we watched their lives as they grew up to adults. One uh, was a young man named Samson who grew up in Ethiopia and near Addis Ababa. And the other one was uh, Yaneli, who's a young girl who grew up in the Dominican Republic. And so some of the things I took back, you know, really, like I said, this was designed for my children, but I walked away like, man, this is for me. And so, number one, the one, first thing I realized, these are things that I take for granted as an American and, and living in California. Um, and, and it's ironic, because Oscar spoke to this during the communion. Number one is that parenting is not a luxury that everyone can afford. Both children in, in this, in this uh, experience had to overcome abandonment issues. Samson's mom was so poor she couldn't even take care of him. So he, she basically just moved him in with his aunt. And his aunt owned a farm, so basically he was just a worker. He was not allowed to go to school. He had to tend the cows for the first two years living with his mom. It took, um, and obviously that's hard. I can imagine being asked to move out of my mom's home to live with my aunt. Someone, I probably you probably didn't know very well, and just say, he's going to be your responsibility because I'm so poor I can't take care of him. The other, the other young lady, Yanelli, uh, her mom was uh, poor as well, and her dad actually disowned her. He actually tried to convince the mom to have an abortion. She didn't, so he said, well, you're not my child anymore. He didn't sign the birth certificate. He ignored her, and it, it was sad because they lived in the same area. So she's like, I would see him. One of the things she said, and it was a video that you kind of watch as you go through the experience, she said, I would see my dad, and he would run away from me. And as a father, I was like, man, that's, that hurt, you know. Number two is that education is a luxury that most people cannot afford in our, con in our, in our world. You know, Samson's aunt did not allow him to go to school for the first two years he was living with her because she needed him to work. The poor working for them is, is food. So it's more important to have food on the table than it is to have the education that would advance them later on in life. The other uh, situation, Yanelli, she wanted to become a doctor, but she could not enroll in university because she did not have her father's last name. Because he had abandoned her, they would not have considered her for higher education. And I was like, that's crazy. But that's the, that's the world she lives in. Luckily, she, be able to, she was able to overcome that and pe through petition was able to go to university and eventually became a doctor. The third thing I realized was that I have never been broke. You know, we think we're broke sometimes. You know, it's you know I thought I was broke in college. I, just to give you a uh, background, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And when I say Detroit, I mean the actual city, not the suburbs. I grew up in Detroit. And um, I was lucky enough to go to a private school through scholarship. But I remember I was quickly, I quickly realized what it meant to be rich and what it was not. You know, uh, my mom drove the same car the entire time I was in high school. Actually, before high school, it was a big red van. They used to call it the 18 van. And, every, and the sad thing is when you're, when you, you know, when there's a different socioeconomic class in school, everyone knows your car. Like, I could be in the library studying, hey, Marlon, your mom's outside. The 18 van's there. I'm like, really? Come on, man. That's a nice vehicle. That's a Chevy, man. It's quality. So... My, school, my friends, though, my peers, they were driving their own cars. You know, I turned 16. I had, a, I had a 1985 Ford Thunderbird. The doors didn't even close. That was my car of choice. But they were driving BMWs, you know, Lexus. And I was like, okay, what's the difference? Okay, I'm broke. But that's cool. I'm like, I can handle it. But walking through this experience, I realized I've never been this broke. I mean, this is poverty to the, to the fullest, most, I mean, in-your-face poverty that I'd ever seen. Um, one of the girls, Yanelli, you know, uh, I, I try to show them the picture, but she was so poor she didn't even have toys. And so she, they showed, the video, they showed her how she made the toys out of mud. She basically had mud dolls. And I was like, wow, I've never been that poor. When we went through the experience, they reminded us that in, uh, in Ethiopia, the, avro, the average annual income is 1% of, of what it is in the U.S., which is about $333 a year. 
So that means some of you teens are making more money than adults make in Ethiopia. The Dominican Republic was slightly better, and it's about $5,000 a year. That's the average annual wages. And for many of us, that's a, that could be three weeks to a month's wages and what they make in a year. So I walked away like, man, you know, I thought I had money problems. I don't have, I don't, I'm grateful that I live in this country, and I'm grateful that I've been blessed. Going back to Matthew 15, one of the things I appreciate about this passage is that Jesus was putting in that work. You know what I'm saying? He was, put, he was actually doing what he came to do. He was healing the sick, the crippled, the blind, you name it. He was healing them. He was helping them. He was meeting the need. He was focused on his work. The thing that I was most convicted about in this passage is that in spite of that, he was still able to see the needs around him. In verse 32, it says that he had compassion on these people. And he noticed that the people hadn't eaten for three days. Now, I can relate to the part of the first part of this passage about being busy. Because, you know, when you work at a school, you're always busy. I mean, I don't know why you guys can't behave. Why can't you just let me have lunch? <laughs> I mean, it's like I had lunch at 3 o'clock on Friday. I'm like, are you serious? That's not lunchtime. Because I kept dealing with students and just, oh, my goodness. <laughs> but we're all busy, right? Because we have our jobs. We have our responsibilities after work. And sometimes we can get so busy that we just, you know, we get consumed by it, right? But Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus was busy, but yet he still took the time to notice that these people hadn't eaten. And I was like, I don't have that ability. I'm like, and my wife will remind me of that very often. Like, I, I get locked in. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what's going on. Like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. I focus on, this, on the task at hand, but I lose the humanity that Jesus calls us to have. And when I read this, I was wondering, well, why is Jesus able to do that? Obviously, he's the son of God, so he has that advantage over us. But there's something else that, that I read, and I was like, wow, that's the secret. If we go back to verse 29, it explains why he was able to do this. It says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and he went up on a mountainside and sat down. That's the only thing it tells us, right? We don't know what he was doing when he was sitting down. My impression, though, is that Jesus was reflecting. Jesus was praying. Jesus was thinking about what he had to do. He was being mindful, and he was driven by that purpose. Think about your life today, church. I'm sure all of us are busy. If you're a parent, you're definitely busy. If you're an employee, you're busy. If you're a student, you're busy. If you're a spouse, you're busy. If you're a mentor, whatever you do, you're busy. If you're a Christian, I'm assuming you're busy. So all that together is a lot of busyness, right? But the question I have for you is, are you too busy for the compassion that Jesus, uh, Jesus exemplified in that passage? You know, uh, you know, we had a great message by Jeff when he talked about just meeting the needs. And I appreciate that because that's really what the church is designed for, to meet the needs of the people around us. But if we're honest, and if I'm honest, church, you know, um, you know, I can get selfish. Actually, I can get very selfish. You know, uh, I already told you I work with students, so sometimes work just drives me crazy as kids can, can do. Then I come home and I have my own kids, and they drive me crazy. <laughs> then I have my amazing wife, who also drives me crazy. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. She's amazing, but, you know, she can drive me crazy, too. And then all I see is just problems, right? I see problems, I see things I need to do. But I'm not inspired to fix those problems. I'm not inspired to serve those issues. You know, I can see the need, I can believe I even I have the ability to meet that need at times. 
But then, you know, there's a part of my, my, my life and a part of myself, if I'm honest, that says, but let somebody else fix that need. And, and you know, I understand the importance of having balance. You know, I think Jesus is a great example of that. But I also know my sinful nature. And see, so, you know, when I, when I, I, can, I can say, oh, man, I need a break. That Netflix queue is calling me, you know. You know how Netflix calls you. It gives you a little update on your phone. I'm like, why are you telling me, Netflix? I don't need to know what new, new movie came out today. I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be purposeful, purposeful with my time. I'm trying to make decisions that will help improve the lives of people around me. But I have to overcome self. You know, there's a, there's a fine line between self-preservation and me time versus selfishness and sin time. It's a fine line. And, you know, I was, I was reminded of something that I comes before J only in the alphabet, but not in Christianity. You know, Jesus should become, come before the individual if we're Christians. You know, think about it. Do you still go as hard to meet the needs of others as you used to when you, were, when you first became a follower of Jesus? You know, I was thinking about the things I used to do as a young Christian. You know, uh, some of it was foolish. <laughs> Meeting the needs of other people, helping people move. I remember one time we helped, uh, helped a sister in our church move all day. And I was just like, how do you have this much stuff? This is ridiculous. <laughs> it was like a 10 by 10 storage unit. We moved, I mean, I'm serious, it was like 7 in the morning to like 8 at night. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. But, you know, you did that because you were like, that's a need. She was a single mom. I was like, she's not going to have that much time. I was doing nothing. So I said, hey, let's do it. That was the attitude back then. Do you still actively meet the needs that you see, or are you a spectator on the sideline? That's the question I want to have you think about today. My second point, because I'm running out of time here, is... If we go back to that passage, Matthew 15, right, there's a lot of chaos. There's people being healed here, there's people being healed there, there's people be, being healed everywhere, right? It reminds me of when I was a, when I was a um, teacher, and a teacher didn't come to school today, and they're like, hey, we need somebody to cover a classroom. I'm like, all right, cool, I'll do it, whatever. You go in there, there's 40 kids, you're like, what? There's no lesson plan. I'm like, are you kidding me? And they want to block schedule, so that's 90 minutes. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You got to come up with something on the fly, but you make it work, right? You, you, you're, you're just trying to survive. You're like, please let the bell ring. Please let the bell ring. <laughs> and you're trying to get them to do stuff, to, you know, to, to, to be on task. That's how I imagine Jesus was, right? He's like, okay, I got this going on. Okay, that person's being healed right there. That's the lepers over there. We're, heal we're hooking them up. I got the blind here. I got the demon possessed here. Okay, we got everything going. <laughs> we're, we're making everything work, right? He's making moves, but then in the midst of all that, he's able to come to a conclusion that these people have not eaten. And the thing is obvious, right? Because he says it's three days. Like, I read that. I'm like, three days? I'm not going a day without knowing I didn't eat. You're talking about three days? But, you know, I think what happened is you get kind of caught up in the miracles, right? People are all these I mean, think about it. That's an amazing day. You got all these people, and, and, it says, and it says in the scripture, they were praising God all day after they got healed, right? So it's a great environment. It's a great situation. But still, they hadn't been eating. Now, I think everyone knew that they hadn't been eating, right? I mean, if I'm a disciple, if I'm one of the followers of Jesus, I'm like, Jesus, we've been working three days, dude. Seriously. Like, we have not stopped. I haven't eaten, so I know they haven't eaten. You haven't eaten. Have you, Jesus? Okay, fine. You haven't eaten. We all haven't eaten. So it, it was something that was obvious, but yet Jesus still had to point it out to them, right? In verse 32, he points it out. What was their response? Their response was, where could we get enough bread in this remote place, place to feed such a crowd? Now again, they knew they hadn't eaten. 
because they hadn't eaten. But their response was to focus on the logistics of the issue instead of the reality. You know, they re- I think the reason why they did that, you know, sometimes, you're, you're, you know, if you have a parent, if you're a parent, you realize that. You ask your kid a question, they try to play it stupid. Because they want you to fix the problem. They're like, Jesus, what, what, what are we going to do? Where could we get enough bread? Like, there's nothing we can do. I mean, there was 4,000 adult men plus women and children. And basically what they had was, it amounted to a box of Lunchables. I don't know if you've ever tried to feed kids with Lunchables. They don't go very far. I tried to eat one time in desperation. That is not good. I do not recommend that if you have a lunch issue. But see, the, 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 the interesting thing about that is the solution was sitting right before them, and it was Jesus. They were talking with Jesus, but they couldn't see that Jesus was the solution. And they were trying to push it away and push the responsibility back on him. You know, I remember a time in this church when we could talk about, when we would talk about what we did with our spare time to, to, to serve the people around us. We could be sharing our faith. We could be helping someone understand the Bible. It could be community service. It could be mentoring. It could be a variety of things. But that's just something we used to talk about in the fellowship, right? Hey, oh, who, who, you, who you serving? Oh, man, I'm meeting, I'm meeting up with this person here. Oh, I'm serving this person there. But, you know, I, I notice we don't talk about it as much anymore. And, you know, I'm, I'm guilty of this. You know, um, but I, I realize something about myself. I don't like to talk about things that I'm not doing, you know. <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not doing good at exercising, I'm not going to go up to someone and be like, hey, man, how's the gym going? Say, I haven't been there in three months, you know. I'm not going to ask you, right? That's common sense. You know, uh, Reese mentioned that uh, both he and I were in this uh, mentoring program through Union Station Homeless Services. And uh, we both got our mentees. We're both at the same meeting. I was fired up. Got my mentee. He got his mentee. And uh, we would talk all the time initially until I lost my mentee. Now, I lost my mentee. It was some circumstances. Uh, Part of it was just logistics because he lived far away from me. But part of it was, I'll be honest, I just couldn't maintain the requirement. Couldn't keep meeting with him to the point where, because it just didn't, as it became too busy. And, you know, I think it's the same thing with everything in our life. Whether it be evangelism, whether it be serving in the variety, various ministries we have, team ministry, kids ministry, whatever it may be, ushering, mentoring. We want to avoid those conversations where we know we're not doing what we need to do. It reminds me of when I was a uh, young parent. My son, he had really stinky diapers really stinky. Like the kind you're just like, oh man, what are you doing? You know, you get indignant when you change it. That's how bad it was. And I knew, you know, I was a, you know, that was my role in the house. I was a diaper dude. But see, my wife used to use that against me. See, she's sneaky. She'd be like, oh, well, you know, I got to go. I got this appointment. So I know she could smell it. I know she could. (laughs) She tried to act like she couldn't smell it. She could smell it. I get home from, right from work. I'm like, what is that? Oh, honey, I got to go. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and this, I mean, it's like nuclear. <laughs> but that's what we do, right? We avoid, we avoid these situations because we don't want to deal with it. You know, church, I think the time is that we have those conversations again. I think our, our conversations should be about what we're doing on a, on a, on a personal level. Because, see, those kind of conversations lend people to make change. You know, when Jesus asked that conversation, I mean, that, he made that observation about the people needing to eat, the disciples tried to pass the buck. And Jesus is like, no, nah, no, nah, buddy. Go get the fish. Go get the bread. We're about to work a miracle. See, if he hadn't said that, who knows if we would have this story the way it is today. Maybe they would just walked away hungry, pass out. Who knows? But I think we miss out on opportunities because we're not brave enough to, to breach the subjects we know are uncomfortable. But I think we have to do that. I know I have to do that. 
It's 11.30, so I am running out of time. But in closing, church, you know, I'm grateful for the reminders that God gives us. You know, I, did, I had no idea what this compassion experience was going to be. I thought it was for my kids. God's funny like that. He's like, no, it's for you too. Let me give you a little something to marinate on. But I want today to be a call for us to imitate Jesus. Let's make sure that in spite of our busy schedules, the many responsibilities that we have in our secular lives and our non-secular lives, that we strive to meet the obvious needs around us as a church. Let's be a church that goes back to having those conversations in our, in our regular conversations with each other about the areas in our lives where we're serving and meeting the needs of others. Because what that's going to do is that's going to remind each other. That's going to remind us, yes, that's, what we're, that's why we became Christians. You know, it wasn't just to go to heaven, even though for me that was a big one. I'm not going to lie. But that wasn't the only thing. It was, the, it, was the, it was the ability that I was given to be able to have an impact on someone else's lives. And that goes beyond just helping someone become a Christian. As I saw in, in this experience here, both individuals, Samson and Yanelli, were able to make incredible impact on their communities. Samson was able to become a, wood uh, a woodworkman. He had a wood shop, and he basically started this mentoring internship program with the poor kids in his community. And Yanelli became a doctor, and she opened up a clinic in her, in her village, her little neighborhood, to basically meet the needs of the poor and needy. And I thought, that only happened because of two things. Number one, obviously people were willing to give and support them in their time of need, but because they were touched by the compassion and love of God, they were then going out and giving that back. And we can never forget that. When we touch people the way Jesus touched them, they're going to continue to give. They're going to pay it forward. So not only do we benefit because we get to experience what it means to be like Jesus, but then the message of Jesus indirectly and directly is promoted more and more through this world we live in. So let's remember that when we serve the lost, we get them to praise God. And that praise is something that we all share in. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this time, uh, this reminder, God, from your uh, amazing scriptures and from the life of Jesus, that serving the poor and needy is not something that we should do, it's something that we need to do. And God, I pray that you can allow us to overcome the obstacles that are in our lives that prevent us from doing it, whether it be how busy we are, whether it be how inconvenient it is, whatever the case may be, God, let us be a church that serves the poor, serves our community, and inspires each other through the lives we live, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity to change. I pray that we can all do more and be more for you. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right. I think we are dismissed. Thank you. Dave, I left out the kitchen. I'm gonna have to do that. I'm gonna have to do the kitchen one next time. <laughs> What's that? Yeah, man. I would. Your kids are older. Hey, bud. You bug them, huh? Right.